The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Glad to have you with us here today. Hey, we have something exciting we want to do this morning. First of all, before we begin, uh, many of you have already met uh, Scott Whitaker. He's our new associate pastor. And, uh, but uh, you might have met uh, his family on Easter Sunday. But actually, Scott started work here at Coastal a couple of weeks ago, I guess right after Mother's Day. And then, so he is married. He does have a family. And, uh, but uh, his wife, Kelly, uh, is a teacher and uh, Emily was still in school, and so Scott, as a loving, faithful husband, came up early, got the whole house set up and ready to go. Did he do a good job, Kelly, by the way? He did do a good job. Okay. Uh, so he was getting things, every, everything ready and prepared, and, uh, and then uh, Kelly just got finished uh, teaching, and Emily just got finished school, and so he went down this past uh, week and picked them up and brought them here. But I just wanted to introduce them to you. This is Scott, Kelly, and Emily. Everybody give them a good round of applause, good coastal welcome. Welcome, very good. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you guys. Um, so make sure you talk to Scott and Kelly and Emily uh, after the service and uh, get to know them a little bit better. And, and I expect, as always, that you guys are going to be uh, just as loving and uh, hosp- hospitable to them as you are to me and our family and our whole staff here at Coastal. A um, lot of great things happening, as, as Ryan mentioned. He already talked about newcomers and uh, uh, next Sunday uh, at the movies, a little card in your bulletin, a little invite card. That's not for you, as always. That's for you to give away to somebody and bring them next Sunday. All of our first-time guests uh, get a free movie ticket. And uh, if you bring a guest with you, if you come to the uh, tent, uh, you'll get a ticket as well. Uh, but this, beginning today and this week, uh, it's life groups. Life groups start. And uh, you, it's still not too late to sign up, though. And uh, so we have this inside your bulletin. Uh, this is the little catalog of uh, the list of groups that we have this summer. And I just want you to take this out, if you would. Take a look at it. Uh, you can sign up. You only have to sign up one time, one way. But you have three different ways to sign up. And this little catalog uh, lists all the different groups. And so uh, you'll notice it says LG, and then there's a little, uh, little term, a little word afterwards, like LG hashtag, LG auto, LG embrace, uh, BB, VB, MG. And uh, you, only, you could basically uh, take your Connect card. Here's one way to sign up. Take your Connect card, and on the inside of your Connect card, let's see, it says, I would like to sign up for a life group, and it says LG, and there's a blank. You just have to put that little, um, little designation right there, LG hashtag, LG auto, LG MG, and then you will be signed up for a life group. You'll turn that in today. You could also, the other way to sign up is to go back to the life group table underneath the one sign, and there's a sheet representing each group. And many of you have already signed up uh, there, and so you can sign up there. Uh, also, if you still need a little bit more time to figure it out, you want to kind of peruse the catalog or take it home and think about it, uh, from our website, you could go there and sign up as well. But we've got a lot of great groups. I'm really excited about this summer. Uh, the summer semester is short. Uh, it's only four to six weeks long, depending uh, on the group that you sign up for. And, uh, but, you know, anybody can do anything for four weeks, for six weeks. And, uh, but, but it's not just about that. It is uh, the fun and the community that you'll experience by being a part of it. So uh, check those out. Groups begin this week, and they end uh, the week right before VBS. And we do that intentionally because here at Coastal, VBS is all hands on deck. 
which means we need everybody to volunteer in some way, shape, or form. In fact, the, uh, the way that you can sign up to volunteer for our VBS uh, is the little insert inside your bulletin. Uh, by the way, if you have a child, you know a child, you have uh, ch- children in your neighborhood, go ahead and start registering now for VBS. You can register uh, online on our website. That's the way to go ahead and do that now. Uh, but this little sheet is the way to volunteer. And you'll notice there are things to do before VBS, during VBS, and even after VBS. Put your name, phone number, and email, fold it up, put it in the blue buckets at the end of the service, and you'll be signed up to volunteer for VBS. Probably one of the largest needs really is crew leaders. And those are probably, you know, that's the group of people, that's the adults who uh, walk around all the different stations, you know, from six to eight with, with a group of kids all week long. You get to know those kids, hang out with those kids. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, so if you're looking for a way, thinking, what can I do? Uh, that's a great, uh, a great way to volunteer. Uh, but uh, VBS is probably the best week of the summer for kids. Uh, a lot of work goes into it, uh, but it's probably the most rewarding week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of great things happening uh, here at Coastal. I'm excited about next Sunday as we kick off at the movies. But today, uh, we kind of wrap up the series uh, on on joy that we've been in for a while. Uh, We wrap up uh, the book of Philippians. In fact, today, uh, in this very last passage from the book of Philippians... I want us to look at, and I said this earlier, if you, if you were here early when I read this, this is one of the greatest promises in the entire Bible. Uh, and, and I say that because it is, so, it is so all-encompassing that almost every other promise in the Bible kind of can fit under its umbrella. So look at it with me again. Uh, this is verse 19. Actually, it's written down, not on the front, but on the back of your outline, but it's also on the screen. Um, it says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Wow, that is an incredible verse. God says, I will meet all your needs. Now, in my mind, though, the question I guess I have is, then why do so many people have needs? I mean, I see a lot of people, and I'm sure you do, who have tremendous needs. In fact, I see a lot of Christians who have tremendous needs. So why aren't they being met? You know, is God a liar? You know, is his word not true? What's the problem? Well, I think the answer to that question is that this promise is not for everybody. You know, it it doesn't apply to every every person. In fact, I'll go a step further. It, it, It doesn't even apply to all Christians. You see, with every promise, there is a premise, okay? Uh, There is a condition where God says, okay, if you do this, then I will do that. And an awful lot of people today want to take the promise in verse 19 and apply it to their lives uh, while avoiding the premise of verses 14 through 18, In other words, you can't claim the promise. You can't claim verse 19 unless you're willing to do what he talks about in verses 14 through 18. So this morning, I want us to talk about that. I want us to, first of all, all, look at the premise, and then we're going to talk about the promise. So the premise is this. I must be a generous giver. I must be a generous giver. You might not realize this, but actually the book of Philippians was actually a thank you note, a thank you letter uh, to the church at Philippi for their offering. 
that they sent to the Apostle Paul. But listen to these two parallel verses, one in Proverbs in the Old Testament and then one in the New Testament in Luke. It says this in Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter six. If you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it'll be used to measure what is given back to you. Now, this is amazing. This is an amazing principle and premise here. God says, you get to decide. You get to decide. You be generous, and I will bless you. The the premise of this promise is that, first of all, we've got to do our part. We've got to be generous. And Paul is saying here, okay, unless I'm obeying God in the matter of my giving, God doesn't give you any guarantee to meet your needs. In other words, you actually have the ability to short-circuit the power and the promise of this verse in your life. And you can block the flow of blessing in your life by not being obedient in your giving. Now, in this passage, verses 14 through 18, Paul gives us some reasons why we should be generous. Let's look at them. Let's talk about them. Number one, he says, my giving is actually an encouragement to other people. My giving, your giving, it's an encouragement to others. In verses 14 through 16, Paul said this, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Again, remember, this was a thank you note written to the church at Philippi, thanking them for their offering. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Man, this was a giving church. He says there, they gave again and again. Now, you got to know this about the Philippians, okay, about the Philippian church. This was not a wealthy church. In fact, just the opposite is true. Uh, In fact, uh, they were extremely poor, and yet they were big-hearted. They were generous. And Paul says, you gave when nobody else was willing to. You, you did, and it encouraged, it encouraged me. Have you ever given a gift and, uh, to somebody else, and man, it, it encouraged them. It encouraged them in their faith, in their walk, in their life. How about you? Have you ever received a gift that just encouraged you? I'm sure you have. And that's, that's what Paul is saying. Both the giver and the recipient receive this, this blessing of, of encouragement. Secondly, our giving also gives us a wider ministry, Paul says. A wider ministry, more than we normally would have. In fact, back in Philippians chapter 1, you might remember, as Paul was talking to the church, he says, you are partners with me in ministry. Now, why in the world would he, would he say that? I mean, they weren't with him. Okay, They hadn't traveled with him. In fact, they're like 800 miles away. How in the world could he say they were partners with him in ministry? Well, the reason he could say that was because they were supporting him financially. Listen to this. Whatever you support financially, you are a partner in that ministry. You see, think about it this way. Here at Coastal, not, not all of you can preach. Okay, not all of you can teach, not all of you can can sing or lead, but whenever you give, 
You are supporting the ministry of this church, and you become a partner with us in ministry. Think about it this way. Those of you who are faithful and generous in your giving here at Coastal, you're a partner here. You know, when you give faithfully, what happens over there in Coastal Kids, those, all those kids over there, they're getting cared for and loved and served and part, taught. You're a part of that. You're a partner in that ministry. Student ministry that's growing like crazy here, all the kids that are coming, the summer schedule, all the stuff that they're doing, the, the, the things that they get to participate in. When they go, go to camp, the reason you know, that camp is, is a little bit cheaper this year is because of you. You're a partner in that. Think about it, when, when our church maybe uh, gave to an orphanage this year uh, in Africa, or we helped support uh, the orphanage over in Peru, you're a partner in that ministry. You know, on, on Tuesday mornings, you know, you're not able to go over to Oakland Elementary School and pass out donuts and coffee, but did you know that when you give here at Coastal, it's as though you're there. You're a partner in ministry here. So it's an encouragement, it widens your ministry, but more than that, listen to this, it makes you like Jesus. It makes you like Jesus. The most Jesus-like thing that you and I do is give, it's, it's sacrifice, because Jesus was sacrificial. Jesus was generous. And this church had a reputation of generosity. Uh, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, go, go read that on your own, but Paul brags about these guys, and he says, these guys are an example to the rest of the world. They gave out of their extreme poverty. They, they gave more than they could give. And he brags about them, that they were like Jesus. Man, when I, when I hear things like that, I like to, you know, I think about that, and I go, wow, here's a church... 2,000 years later, and we still know of their reputation. And I think about that, and I hear that, and I, th I think to myself, you know, will Coastal have a reputation that'll last 2,000 years later? And if so, what are we going to be known for? You know, what an awesome thing to be known for, you know, as a, a generous church in the community, a giving church. It's an encouragement to other people. It gives you a wider ministry. It makes you more like Jesus. And Paul also says that your giving is an investment in the future, an investment in the future. Uh, in verse 17, he, he actually uses a banking term. It says this, not that I'm looking for a gift but I am looking for what may be, listen to what he says, credited to your account. Circle that phrase there on your outline. Credited to your account. It's back there on, in, on the top, there on the top of your outline. D did you ever think about that? That you have an account in heaven? Uh, that, that in heaven there is an account with your name on it. And God is recording anything and everything that you do in the name of Jesus. In fact, another translation says, well-earned reward. And the word in Greek literally means, get this, accumulated interest. It's a banking term. And the point that he's making here is that every time you give, every time you serve, every time you love, every time you're generous, God says it is recorded and it is rewarded. It is an investment. And the bank of heaven is accumulating your interest. Now, let's suppose 
that uh, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I go to a bank and, and I walk in and I ask, how much interest have I accumulated? And the banker is probably going to say, well, how much have you what? Deposited, right? And I say, well, nothing. How much have I accumulated? And uh, the banker's going to go, well, Mr. Rollins, let me share with you a little financial principle you might not have learned. Okay? The rule is you don't get any interest if you don't make an investment. And that's true in the Christian life. That's exactly what he's saying here. Now, think about it. How do you store up accumulated interest? How do you store up treasure in heaven? Through our giving. It's very simple. Through our giving. First, First Timothy chapter 6. Listen to this. Tell them, believers, okay, tell Christians to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. They should give generously to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. Now listen to this. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of real life. So again, your giving, it's an encouragement to other people. It widens your ministry, helps you, enables you to be a partner in ways that you could never be all by yourself. It, it makes you more and more like Jesus. It's an investment in your future. And then finally, Paul says, I love this, your giving is actually a sacrifice to God. A sacrifice to God. Look at verse 18. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts, again, the offering, that you sent. And listen to how he describes this gift. I love this phrase. The, these three phrases here. He says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You want to please God? You want to please him? You ever wondered what pleases him? He tells us right here, sacrificial giving. Why? Because Jesus was a sacrificial giver. He came to earth. He gave up everything. Gave up all of heaven. Gave it up sacrificially. That describes his life, a sacrifice. And when you and I are sacrificial, we're like Jesus. When we're giving to other people, when we're giving to the church, when you're sharing, when you're serving, I don't care what you do. If you do it in the name of Jesus, you are the most like him. It says that it's pleasing to God. Sometimes I imagine, you know, when, uh, when I do some act of kindness or generosity or when I give my offer, I know this is silly, but sometimes I imagine God saying, that's my boy, a boy. Because the Bible says it pleases him. He also says, and this is probably my favorite of this little, uh, these little phrases here, he says, it's a fragrant offering. I, I mean, I really love this because this is actually a reference back uh, to Leviticus chapter 7, a thank you offering, a thanksgiving offering. Uh, in the Old Testament, they would take up an offering or uh, a sacrifice, a, a sacrificial animal, and they would lay it on the altar, and it would create this uh, mouth-watering uh, smell, this steam uh, that would rise up, and the whole community could smell it. And uh, they'd want to be there. They'd want to be around. I don't know if you know this or not. If you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you might have saw this. But on, on Memorial Day, does anybody know what I cooked on Memorial Day, what I did? I grilled a pig. 
I did. And um, I called him Wilbur. And uh, it was, uh, I know, I know, I know. Some of you vegetarians are going to really gross you out. But anyway, um, uh, he was a suckling pig, which even makes it a little more you know, scary for some of you, I realized, little baby pig, and I just got, and I got him from the butcher, I cradled him like this, and, um, and uh, but, I, but, I, but I put him on the, on the grill, I grilled him, it was about a 30, 35 pound pig, and uh, oh my goodness, you pulled into our cul-de-sac, whoo, man, it just, the whole neighborhood just smelled, you walked, you opened the door of my house, it was like a bacon candy explosion, in my house, and uh, people, I mean, people are just coming out of, the, out of, the, out of their houses, and are just doing like that, and, and basically, that's exactly what he is saying here, that when you give, it is this fragrant offering unto God, it, it's special to him, and it draws other people in, like this sweet-smelling aroma, and so every act of generosity in your life, uh, it's an encouragement to people. It's an investment in eternity. It broadens your ministry. It makes you like Jesus. And it's a sacrificing, pleasing to God. That's why it's so important, you know, that you become a generous giver. Now, that's the premise, okay? That is the premise. And the premise always comes before the promise. You know, as a believer, you can't claim the promise of verse 19, Unless you're actively doing verses 14 through 18. But let's talk about the promise because it is amazing. Again, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's that's an incredible promise. First of all, let's break this down, okay? Let's let's, let's really look at this this promise. First of all, I want you to notice the source of this promise. The source of it. It says, and my who? My God. My God. Circle the phrase there, my. He is talking about a personal God. God is not some big impersonal force in the sky out there somewhere. You know, may the force be with you. That is not God. God is a personal God. You can get to know him. Jesus said in the the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, pray like this. Our what? Our who? Our Father, he is a heavenly father. Now, and as a result of that, as as him being your heavenly father, he is very well aware of all of your needs. He knows your financial needs. He's aware of your emotional needs. He's aware of your relational needs. All of the needs in your life right now, he's aware of it. And it says, my God will meet all of your needs. You know, last week in uh, last Sunday's message, I talked about uh, being in the delivery room, you know, for the birth of both of our children. At both of those births, I had two incredible, overwhelming emotions. And I'll never forget it. Uh, one of them, and it's hard to describe, but it's just this incredible joy. This, this feeling that I, it really is difficult to uh, describe of just overwhelming satisfaction and excitement and awe and happiness. I mean, tears of joy, all that and more all rolled up into one. And yet... At the same time, when our children were born, 
I was acutely aware of the fact that I'm a father now. And it implied tremendous responsibility. That like it or not, I just assumed and, and you've been in the, that room, right, men? You know what I'm talking about. And, you know, mom too, okay? We, but all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, someone has put a human being in my care. You know, what were they thinking? Do they not know me, you know? Like, this is crazy. But all of a sudden, it's like, you assume responsibility for another human being. And that is a father or a mother. You are now responsible to care for the needs of that child. Because that's part of, that's part of the gig, right? Part of the responsibility. You, you assume responsibility. Now, in the very same way, our Heavenly Father assumes responsibility for His children's needs. Except that He does it in a perfect way. And the Bible says that the source of this promise is, my God, our Heavenly Father will care for His children those who trust in him, those who delight in him, those who are generous with all that he has already entrusted to you. So that's the source. Let's talk about the scope of the promise, the scope of it. What does he say? My God will meet some of your needs. You knew I was gonna do that, right? It just fits so well. I know I usually do stuff like that. That's not what it says, is it? My God will meet what? What's it say? All, my God will meet all of your needs. That includes, well, in Greek, this is very important. Did you know that the, the word Greek, you might not have known this, for all, you know what it includes? All, everything, it's no secret, okay? Everything. Notice it doesn't say also, my God uh, might meet all of your needs. It doesn't say that. My God may meet your needs. It says what? He will. He will. What's he saying? He's saying that if you meet the premise, you can absolutely bank on the promise, if you are a consistent, generous giver, if you meet the premise, then you can bank on the promise that God will meet all of your needs. Now, there are a lot of people today, though, who misuse this verse. My God will supply all of your needs. Let me, let me give you a couple of categories that this does not include. Number one, it doesn't include the consequences of laziness. Well, my God will meet all of my needs. Therefore, I can just kick back and do nothing and lay on the sofa and eat potato chips because I am just trusting in the Lord. That is not what this verse says. This is not an invitation to goof off. God expects you to work. In fact, over in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. What that verse is saying is that people who are unwilling, not unable, okay, but people who are unwilling to work should not be given handouts. Did, did you know that? That's what the Bible says. That says a lot about our welfare system, doesn't it? This should not be an invitation to laziness. The other thing it doesn't cover, and the other way that people misuse this, is all of your wants. You know, my God shall supply all of your needs, not all of your wants. I don't know if you've learned this or not, but there's a big, big difference between your needs and your greeds. Not the same thing, okay? But we have a way, I know this in our culture, I do the same thing. We have a way of exaggerating our wants into needs. But God's not guaranteed that. 
He's not guaranteed to provide you all of our, all lux- all of our luxuries. This also doesn't say, uh, this also means that God doesn't say, hey, well, go out and misuse your money and waste your money, you know, and go into debt on luxuries and things, and then when you don't have enough money to pay for all your needs, then I'll supply it. Okay, God doesn't agree to that either. God doesn't bankroll your debt. He doesn't bankroll your foolishness. In other words, if I go out and I misuse all of my money in some area and then my needs aren't being met, you know, and I say, well, God, how come your promises aren't true? That's not God's fault. He's not promised to bankroll our foolishness. But what has he promised? What is covered? All legitimate needs. Now, that covers a lot of groundwork. What are your needs? Do you have a financial need? Are you a faithful, generous giver? If you're a faithful, generous, biblical giver, then you have every right to expect God to meet your needs. But if you're not, you're not meeting the premise, then you can't bank on the promise. How about your physical needs? How about your relational needs, your emotional needs? It says here, everything, it's all there. My God will meet all of your needs. Now, I I got one question for you, though. So if that's true, what does that leave you and I to worry about? Nothing. Because God, our Heavenly Father, says, I assume the responsibility for my children's needs to be met. And if you are a child of God and you're meeting the premise, you can absolutely bank on it. Now, finally, what's the supply? The supply is according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that is a bank that will never go bankrupt. He has unlimited resources. He has an inexhaustible supply. Now, I want you to circle the word, though, according, according. It doesn't say out of his riches. It says according to to his riches. I actually think there's a big, big difference. Let, let me explain, see if I can explain this. Uh, how many of you know who Bill Gates is? Okay, probably a better question is, who in this room has been living under a rock and does not know uh, who Bill Gates is? Um, so, Bill Gates is considered to be uh, the richest person in the world. If you Google it, I think right now, he is worth just under, you know, kind of sad, just under $80 billion, okay? Now, um, if Bill Gates who has incredible wealth, came up to you and he wrote you a check for $1,000. And he said, here is my gift to you. Now that would be an example of him giving to you out of his riches. Giving to you out of his riches. But if he came up to you and he gave you a blank check and he said, whatever you need, I've already signed it. That would be him giving to you according to his riches. And that's what it says here. God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches. And I know this is amazing, but in essence it means that God in many ways is giving you a blank check. Philippians 4.19 is the blank check for the faithful, generous, giving 
believer, that God will care for all of your needs out of, not out of, but what? According to his glorious riches. Now, everybody knows that a blank check is worthless unless it has a signature on it. But this check is signed in the name of Jesus. According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, signed Jesus. And his check never bounces. Now I want you to look at one final passage on your outline, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is another passage written by Paul, same author, and in many ways he says the exact same thing that he says here in Philippians. There is a premise and then there's a promise. And I just want you to see that this is taught all throughout the New Testament. Look at it with me. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under pressure, for God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. Now stop right there. That's the premise of this verse. God says, you want me to meet your needs. You, you need to be generous. You need to be faithful. You need to obey what I've said in my word in this area of giving. Now, notice the promise. Here comes the promise. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Oh my goodness, again, pretty all inconclusive. All grace, all things, at all times, all that you need, every good work. If you and I would just let the truth of these passages grab a hold of you, it would revolutionize your life. It's as though God is saying, hey, let's have a giving contest. Let's see who could be the most generous. Let's see who wins. You can never outgive God. You meet the premise. He keeps meeting the promise. It is not by accident that the book of Philippians basically has two major themes. One is joy, and the second is giving. This is a thank you note. The purpose of this book was to thank the Philippian church for their giving, because joy and giving go together. The, the, the most joyful people on the planet are the most generous people. The most miserable people on the planet are the most miserly people. That's the truth. So today, I want you to reflect on your life. And I'll be a little bit more specific. I want you to reflect on your giving. And I'll just say it, if you are a generous, faithful, consistent, biblical giver, and, and if, you just, if you come recognizing that God, you know what, God, you own it all. I'm just the manager of everything you've given me. And if you're generous with your time, knowing that your time, it's not yours, it's God's. Your calendar, it's God's. Your house, it's God's. Your car, it's God's. Your money, your talents, your abilities, it's all God's. And if you are generous with all of that, you have every right to claim the promise of Philippians 4.19. You can relax. You don't have to worry because God's going to meet all your needs. But some of you haven't learned the joy of giving yet. It's just passed you by. Oh, sure, you may serve Occasionally. You may give occasionally. But in the grand scheme of things, you know you're just tipping God. 
You, you could evaluate your life. You could, you could look back at how much you've made this year, how much, how much money you've earned. And you know that your giving in no way reflects that of a generous giver. You know that how you serve and how you love and share in no way reflects a generous person. And what's more sad is that you get no joy out of it anyway. Listen, it's fun to give. He says we ought to be a cheerful giver. Uh, the, the, the word in Greek actually describes hilarity. It, you ought to, just, it ought to just be fun. Why? Because you know, man, you can't outgive God. He just blesses you more in return. You know, everybody here in the area of your giving, you have a next step to take. And I want to challenge you to move forward in that. Not because we're in need here. Sure, you get to be a partner in ministry. It's an encouragement. You know, uh, it makes you more and more like Jesus. But listen, you're, you're missing out on the joy of the Christian life. I, I want to challenge you to practically discover the power and the principles of this promise and to be able to say at the end of this year, man, I know that Philippians 4.19 works because I'm doing Philippians 4, 14 through 18. I dare you to become a faithful, generous person with everyone and everything. And you just watch what God will do in your life. This morning, um, you know, I said that this promise, uh, the starting place for this promise is that you're a part of the family. Our Heavenly Father will meet the needs of his children who are faithful and generous with what he's given them. Let me ask you, are you God's child? Have you been adopted into his family? He's waiting on you. He's already, in in many ways, he's chosen you. He wants you. He's waiting to welcome you with open arms, but you've you've got to walk toward him. You've got to turn away from this world and turn, turn faith to Christ. And you can do that right here and right now. All it requires is faith. If you would open up your heart today and say, I believe. I believe that Jesus really is God's son, that he came to this earth. He lived and died a perfect life for me. He went to the cross for me and my sin. And I admit it, I, I am a sinner. I have, I have walked away from God. I've pushed him out of my life, but today I want to come home, and I believe. And if you will ask him to come into your life, he will. He will adopt you into his family. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a clean conscience. He will give you a, a, a clean slate. You will be as white as snow, adopted into his forever family. But it requires that step, that step of faith. You can do that today. And if you've already made that decision, if you are a believer and you're here today, maybe it's time that you evaluate whether or not you really are obeying this premise. What is the reputation that you are building on this side of eternity? Is it one of faithfulness? Is it one of generosity? The rewards that we will receive in heaven are based on what we do with what God has given us here and now on this side of eternity. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word 
And I thank you for this Philippian church that 2,000 years later, we are remembering uh, their generosity, their willingness to be partners with Paul in ministry, uh, their willingness to be an encouragement, to become more and more like Jesus. And God, as a result, you promise to meet all of their needs, all of our needs today, if we will meet this premise, not uh, based on anything that we've done and who we are, but according to the glorious riches of Jesus, and he owns it all. And so, God, I thank you for that premise, and I thank you for that all encompassing promise. And maybe, just maybe, there's somebody here today who's ready to be adopted into your forever family, who's ready to be your child, who, who's been scratching and clawing to meet their own needs, but now they understand that you're waiting and ready to meet all of their needs. Listen, pour out your heart to God here and now. Say, dear Heavenly Father, forgive me. I want to come home. I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to a cross to pay for my sin, all of them. I repent of my sin. I turn away from this world and I turn toward Jesus. And I ask him to come into my life, to be my savior and to be my Lord. And Father, for the rest of my days, I just want to follow him. Not to earn anything, but to relax and to become just more and more like you already see me and to experience the very joy of generosity here on this side of earth and on into eternity, rewards that will last forever. And Father, I pray for our church. I pray that we are accumulating an interest that will be remembered uh, years from now. A church that is generous with the world around us, that wants to make a difference and impact in our community. Um, I pray we're good stewards with all that you've given us. We love you, Father, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, Check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.